Hey, I'm Joyce and welcome to today's Walk and Talk. Walk and Talks are a 99 Walks exclusive where I have the honor of walking and talking with some of the world's most interesting people. Now, this is not a highly produced podcast. This really is an informal conversation between two people talking about the things that matter most. Thanks for being with us. And here we go. Hey everyone, Joyce here. Welcome to today's Walk and Talk where our guest is Natalie Eve Garrett. She is an artist, she is a writer, she's the editor of The Lonely Stories, a collection of personal essays from 22 celebrated writers exploring the joys and struggles of being alone. That book is currently out from Catapult Publishing and available. She's also the editor of Eat Joy, which is a collection of stories exploring how food can help us cope during dark times, as well as the artist and writer's cookbook. Natalie, thank you for being here with us. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So let's dive right into what inspired you to write The Lonely Stories. Yeah, um, well, the book, the book itself began with a question uh, that was inspired by my reading Ross Gay's The Book of Delights, which came out at about the same time that actually I think the same month that Eat Joy came out. And he wrote a line, what if we joined our sorrows and what if that is joy? And I, you know, I, I kind of rephrased this in my mind as I read it is what if we joined our loneliness and what if that is joy? Um, but the, my journey to, to the book, um, to the lonely stories is, you know, a bit farther, farther back than that. Um, I, you know, that, that line kind of led me to reflect on my childhood and, you know, when I was a child, I spent a lot of time alone. I think part of that was, you know, predisposition to you know, creativity and, and solitude. Um, I really relished kind of hiking and, and wandering the woods and, and other creative pursuits. But also, I spent a lot of time alone because I was often sick. Um, I had chronic sinus infections throughout my childhood and undiagnosed migraines and undiagnosed anxiety. And so as an often sick kid, I, you know, and, and person, I, you know, I really very much relate to and, um, you know, empathize with the loneliness that can happen through isolation. Um, but at the same time, for me, I think all that alone time that I experienced then you know, it was it was a source of loneliness, yes, but it was also kind of a wellspring of creativity. And now, as an artist and as a writer, I you know I seek out solitude, and it's it's something that I really relish, um, and so and I crave, and and I really loved the idea of helping to create a book that would kind of tease out the ways in which alone time can you know be both maddening and also joyful. What's so interesting is over the course of the last many months, I've sort of come to wrap my head around the idea, not just about this topic, but about many topics that both things can be true. Yeah, yeah. So in this context, 
both things can be true. Being alone can be incredibly fulfilling and freeing and lovely, and it can also be lonely, and it's okay if both things are true. Right. Yeah. No. And and what's kind of it's sort of strange is that but I I actually embarked on the book before the pandemic. Um, it was just um sort of a, a moment of prescience, I guess. But but I I I sold it in 2019. Um, and it briefly had the title "Lonely Together," which which felt <laughs> too on the nose almost. Um, yeah. Sort of a name, a description <laughs> of the title of the book was like the title of our lives. Um, yeah. But um, so, but I went then I went reverted back to the lonely stories, which I sold it as lonely stories, and then it had had I had just changed it, and then the pandemic happened like it, like two weeks later, <laughs> and then I changed it back. Um, but um, but. But so much of the book actually kind of explores types of aloneness that, you know, have existed long before and, you know, will continue to be, you know, part of our lives in, in the pandemic's aftermath. But I mean, for me, I feel like, in the, you know, in the wake of living through that kind of collective isolation that you know, we went through, I mean, for me, the book re definitely resonates more strongly. Um, and I also just really feel like we're, you know, we're less lonely when we talk about it, when we, when we share our stories. So before the pandemic, we undertook, I share with you this sort of fascination is maybe not the right word, but this interest in loneliness and, mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me, and in human connection, the power of human connection and yeah. why we need it, what we need and how it is that we're not getting it. And yeah. we undertook a study of 2,500 women. Oh, wow. And what we discovered in that study was 2,500 moms of preschool through grade school age kids. So that was mm -hmm. the specific cohort we were talking to. Uh -huh. And 72% of them acknowledge that they are sometimes lonely. And what yeah. I always say to people is what that means is if you feel lonely, you're not alone. Right. Yeah. Which, which I think is a little bit of what you set out to share with these stories. Right. No, I, I, I agree. And I, I love that. I mean, it's sort of bittersweet, but it's like, you know, I mean, I think that's how I feel with the book, that it can be kind of a, a joyful portal because it's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm not the only one who feels that way. And I think recognizing that is really moving and definitely unlonely, at least at least for me. What do you think is the reason that people are reticent to acknowledge and talk about feeling lonely? Because it's still one of those things. We, I think I think women are more willing to talk about menopause these days than they are to talk about loneliness. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I mean, I think all of these things are, are kind of locked in with, with shame, um, and there's been there's been stigma for so long, and it's just to take it slow to kind of on. <laughs> like you know lift and, and it, it's it kind of has a tight hold on on all of us but i think once you can you know unburden yourself i feel like it's and, and make peace with it it's such a source of healing um i think someone in there was an essay in the book i think it was amy sharon's essay where she talks about like lifting kind of a leaden vest like the x-ray vest that they put on you at the dentist mm -hmm. office you know it's just this um it's so um such a relief to unburden yourself i think so uh dr 
Murthy, our Surgeon mm. General, right, who yeah. wrote together, which is yes. you know, just a, a wonderful book. And I had the, the honor to have him as a guest on a walk and talk uh, oh, before he went back into office. And he talks and writes about the idea that loneliness can be uh, self-perpetuating because mm. if you feel lonely, you, again, because of the stigma that you alluded to or mentioned, you feel like there must be something wrong with you because nobody else is lonely. So there's got to be something wrong with you, which makes you pull back, mm. which makes you more disconnected, leading to more loneliness in this cycle. Right. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I think once we can talk about it, it's so heart expanding. You know, it feels, I think when we're feeling, we're feeling it, it feels, you know, so heartbreaking. But once we're able to, to open up and tell our stories, I think that's such an important starting point. Um, I mean, telling stories can't, you know, in this book can't do it all. But I think for me, it was kind of inherently therapeutic. Um, and especially working on it, you know, I was working on this book throughout the pandemic and during quarantine, which felt like such a hard time to kind of hold on to the idea that there are stories to tell and, you know, joy to be summoned. But, um, but that did make it feel even more therapeutic for me, I think. Oh, for sure. And can you share a little bit about the uh, sort of the process of gathering these stories and essays? Did you just reach out to people and say like, hey, you feel lonely? Want to share a story and an essay about it for my new book? Like, I, I, what was that process like? Kind of what was your pitch? <laughs> um I mean, I reached out to writers whose words, you know, have struck a chord in me. I mean, some of them maybe I'm, you know, a big fan for a long time and have read all of their books, but many others, you know, I'd read one essay of theirs online and, you know, and it struck a chord. Um, but, I mean, yeah, for me, the process of putting together a book like this is definitely very personal. Um, people, people who I admired, you know, for different reasons, um, I'm definitely eternally grateful that so many amazing writers said yes um, and were willing to explore this topic, particularly during a pandemic, which is when the majority of the essays were written, actually. Some were written before, um, not long after I sold the book, but, but most were written during 2020. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not an easy topic at any time since, you know, the stigma is real and, and being alone can be, you know, anxiety inducing and, and even, you know, reflecting about it can be kind of despair inducing, but I think it can also be liberating. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know, working working with so many extraordinary writers definitely made the pandemic a lot less lonely for me. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and it really felt like, I really felt um, kind of surrounded by kind of a spirit of companionship, kind of compassionate companionship. So I hope that, I hope that comes through in the book too, because I really felt it while I was working on the book. It just seems to me that it's a really different ask. You know, it's, one ask is like, tell me about your greatest joy. Tell me what gives right. you pleasure. Tell me what fuels your spirit. And then the other is like, tell me about your journey with loneliness. And I would imagine that there are some writers out there who are like, nah, I don't want to talk about that. Did you find some of that where some people reluctant to dig into this or did you sort of select people who you had written about it or alluded to it so you assumed they would be open to it um 
A little bit of both. I think, I mean, I, I, for the most part, I reach out to people who, who I admire. So I, they, I didn't necessarily sense that they, they had something to say on the topic. Um, mm -hmm. In a few cases, I had a sense of that, but in, in, but in other cases, not. Um, I mean, I write a pretty detailed pitch and I don't have it in front of me, but a lot of the kind of things that I wrote about in my introduction were kind of embedded in, in my initial pitch and then eventually kind of got braided into what became an introduction for the book. Um, but I write, I include a lot of prompts in my introduction, a lot of different ideas and ways to approach the topic. It's usually like many, many, many paragraphs <laughs> long um, and full of different ways of looking at it. Um, and usually, I mean, usually people are, the people I've written have been pretty receptive. It's not usually like, you know, I'm interested, but they don't want to write about that. It's either, you know, they have the time right. or they don't. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been very, lucky um with with all of my books and that i've gotten a really great response from the people that i've reached out to and i don't know i think it's part luck and then i have a strange knack for for pitching things i think um <laughs> which you know you, you take the talents that you know I'm, I'm i'll take what i can get i'm glad that i have this this knack because it's it's, it's helped me in this journey it seems that there's also an element of timing and not necessarily around the pandemic. That was a piece of it. But even before the pandemic, it did feel like conversations around loneliness and that journey right, right. were becoming more right, exactly. prevalent. I, and I haven't, I haven't dug into this, and I don't know if you have, but I'm suspecting that in like the 1950s, nobody talked about it. And I'm also sure that there were a lot of lonely people in the 50s. I'm sure. Yeah, no, it seems like it's been talked about a lot, especially in the recent in recent years, which I think is is great. Um, I mean, some of the phrasing sometimes I feel concerned about, but but it's not that wasn't something I wanted to get into in the book. But you know, the the idea of epidemic of loneliness, I worry that kind of language could um, sort of be off putting to to some people who are trying to reckon with it themselves. It's sort of pathologizing but but maybe maybe in some cases that's helpful i don't i don't know but yeah i mean i think it's something that's yeah it's always been there and kind of always will be to some degree you know we're always we're, we'll all we've all felt lonely and we'll all continue to feel lonely sometimes i think do you think that the rise in social media has played into those feelings of loneliness i think i think yes and no, I mean, I feel like everything, yeah, I always want to say both and, you know, with, with so many things, you know, um, I mean, Anthony Doerr kind of writes about that in, in his essay in the book about, um, you know, he just wants to put down, put down the device and be present with his son. Um, and, and I think that's true. I mean, I also think that, that social media has been really community building for a lot of people, like particularly disabled people who who need that kind of virtual connection because they, you know, they have a harder time, you know, getting out and, and fostering connections in other ways. So I think I think it's complicated. I, I agree. You refer to uh, disabled people who are less able to get out and about. Uh, I have a story from, gosh, years ago, somebody I knew whose child had a very severe but very unusual disease. Mm. 
And she found a community of people who understood, the only people who understood the particular challenges that yeah. she and her family were going through yeah. online. So those right. kinds of communities and the ability yes. to connect with people, so incredibly powerful. Right. And then there's the other side of it, which is the pictures that make it look like everybody has a pack of gal pals. <laughs> right. Exactly. Every Friday night <laughs> and have the time of their lives. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> no. Collapsed on the couch. <laughs> Going, dreaming of going to bed at 8 p.m. But yeah, yes, right, I am right there with you. My friends uh, have basically given up on me as far as doing anything at night. Yeah, like they just don't even ask. Anybody wants to go for a walk? I am your girl. Me too. That's the same. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. Just like I need, I need but, midday adventures. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have, I have a finite actually, window in the middle yeah, of the day. Me too. Like, catch me while you can, but. Exactly. Downhill to there the was, sofa in the bed. There was a uh, Halloween party in my community that a bunch of people who I consider friends and then sort of my larger social circle. And it looks so fun on mm. social. Yeah. And I felt really left out. Yeah. But like, there's no way I'm putting on a costume and going out <laughs> at nine o'clock at night. Like, yeah, no, that no. ship has sailed decades <laughs> ago. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm the same way. So funny. So are there any particular essays that really, I'm sure you love them all because they all made it into the book, but are there any that have sort of stayed with you or that you could share? Um, I would love to. Can I, can I read a snippet from one or? Sure. Absolutely. I would love to. I mean, there's so, of course there, yeah, like you said, of course, there's so many that, that have stayed with me in different ways. Um, But one thing I was that I've you know, thought a lot about is the way in which the experience of solitude can kind of lead to self-reflection and kind of self-revelations, basically, you know, a catalyst, the way in which solitude can kind of be a catalyst for, for revelations about oneself. And that comes up in a bunch of essays, like in, in you know, Claire Dater, she writes about, um, you know, she recognizes the experience of deep solitude that she has an addiction to reckon with, and Melissa Sabos. Uh, you know, requires an experience of solitude to come to terms with kind of codependency issues. Um, so it comes up a lot, but but in the first essay in the book, in Megan Giddings, um, I find the essay really powerful. And um, she kind of, she, she has, her essay is divided into three sections. It's called Brief Important Moments, where I was the only person on earth. And in the third section, um, it's called The Only Person in the Cold Lake. And she is writing about kind of the loneliness of, of fear. Um, but also she goes through this terrifying experience that really is you know, ultimately extremely empowering. Um, she is kayaking alone uh, with, with her husband, but she's in her own boat and it capsizes and she's for a time trapped under the boat in, in the cold, cold lake. Um, and then also her foot is stuck in the water and seaweed and she's trapped and um, feels like she's not going to make it. So it, it's okay to read a couple of, a couple of paragraphs yeah, from the end? Absolutely. Oh, great. great. I would love to. Um, so this is from the end of, of the essay. It's, 
a spoiler, but it's it's a stunning. <laughs> I mean, the whole essay is just so stunning. I think. Um, well, the spoiler is clearly she survived. She so you're survived. not going to spoil that. No, yeah, she survives, but it's just it's it's powerful. Um, so she's just emerged from the lake. I took off the soaked life vest. I lay back into some weeds and breathed. Somehow that moment felt more perilous than anything I had gone through to be there. I felt certain that my heart was going to stop from the mixture of cold and adrenaline and suppressed fear. My breath felt too hot. Eyes burned. Later, I would take a shower until the water ran cold. I would wash my hair. I would scrub myself with the loofah and lose myself in the heat, the steam, the ersatz coconut smell of my soap. Even later, I would take this experience and write it into a short story. When it was on the page, I would notice all the ways I bent the experience to make it more entertaining, to make it fit the story, and feel a little sour. In the woods, I was briefly sure I would take one last breath, close my eyes, and that would be the end. I tried only to observe, not to think or feel. The wind blew again. Oriate leaves left their trees and gave the air shape. The path was clear and well-marked. No one was in sight. You can do anything now, my brain said, and for once I didn't disagree. My entire life, I've had to remind myself how precious I am to myself, that I deserve to be taken care of, that it is worthwhile for me to be alive, that I am not taking up space. I took off my sweatshirt and tried to wring it out. Alone and cold and wet, every tree felt like a blessing. If other people had been around, I would have felt the need to reassure them that I'm fine. I might have had a more emotional reaction. When we found each other, my husband put his big warm hand on my cheek and said he had never been more scared in his entire life. We cried together, our heads on each other's shoulders. But in the woods, watching the leaves, trying to get dry, I had never been more myself. I can do anything, I said. My voice was calm. Clouds rolled in. I picked myself up and began to walk. There's, I, there's so much in there. It's hard to even know where to start. But it makes yeah. me wonder about the connection between loneliness and feeling, truly feeling our own mortality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that is, a theme that you've, that you've thought no, about? No, you're reminding me of, yeah, there's, there's another essay. There are a few other essays where that comes up as well. Yeah. And, and Imani Perry's essay that comes up really powerfully in, in Maggie Shipstead's essay. Um, where she writes how solitude stands century, you know, the beginning of our lives and the end of our lives, something we experience alone. And that's definitely something I, I sort of felt, um, you know, even as a kid, when, you know, when, you, when you're sick, it's, I feel like that's just kind of inherently something you, you think about um, because it's just something, you know, you have to, you're sort of 
inside yourself and, and inescapably inside yourself. And, you know, they're sort of invariably alone. Um, and then when you emerge, you feel sort of your connection. Empowered with alone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I haven't really thought about it in, the, in that context, but in my book, I write about one of the loneliest times that I remember in my life, and I was a freshman in college, and I went to college kind of young, so I was mm. barely 17, yeah. and I had the flu freshman mm. year, and there was nobody to take care of me. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I remember lying in my dorm room feeling profound profoundly lonely and trying to figure out how I was going to get food because I clearly couldn't get down to the dining hall. Right. Uh, and then one of my neighbors, my dorm neighbors, who just has a strong caretaking chip uh, mm. and is a friend of mine to this day, knocked on my door and she said, can I bring you some soup? Oh, yeah. Those beautiful little moments of human connection. Right, right. You know, I, I, loneliness, the concept of loneliness is so multi-layered. So the fact that we as a society, I think, are talking about it more and people like you are writing about it, sharing writings about it. But when you really stop to dig into it, it's a very complicated conversation. <laughs> yes, no, totally. I agree. Uh, and I'm sure you've spent time thinking about the difference between being alone and being lonely. Is that something that you can kind of put words to? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think of, of solitude as kind of the art of being at home within oneself. Um, and I think of solitude as, as alone time that we choose. Whereas I associate loneliness, you know, with a kind of absence and a feeling of lack. And, and I think of it as the alone time that that we don't choose. That sort of that happens to us, basically. Um, I think, you know, the aspect of choice is essential. I, maybe, but reflecting on my own life, there have been times where I've been alone, not by my own choice. And uh, sort of my journey through that is initially I'm like, this sucks. Sure. But then I settle into it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. But this then maybe it, but then maybe it starts out as loneliness and then it tilts into being an experience of solitude. Do you think? Maybe. I also think there's a, for me, again, I can't speak for others, but I think there's a fear element of it. Do you feel that, uh, that initial fear of, of really being alone and being lonely, and then the fear subsides, and you and I realize that this is a this is a gift for whatever period of time it is, and maybe it's because I know that period of being alone is not going to stretch out forever. Mm, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think once we've accepted it, then you know it's not exactly loneliness anymore because we're at if you're at peace, then you're not, then you're not lonely. Then you're, you know, that contentedness is more of a state of, of, of solitude and of, and of ease. Whereas when we're lonely, we're missing something. We're, we're kind of yearning for something. 
Um, and and yeah, there can be that kind of fear, that fear aspect to, to that to that yearning. Something's missing, or someone, rather than feeling kind of no. content within ourselves. It's weird to think that the exact same set of circumstances can feel completely different. Right. And I don't even mean for different people. I even mean for the same people, right. same circumstances. One yeah. day feel fantastic. Exactly. And another yeah. day feel awful. I know the feeling. So, yeah, I can relate to that. I'm I'm. I'm that way in my own life day to day. So I totally, <laughs> I think I totally most, know I think what you many mean. of us are. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so too. It does sort of go to what we were saying about how deeply nuanced this topic is. But then I think I that's think kind you know of comforting, you know. It's comforting to mm. know that we all that we all feel those things, right? You know, I, mean, I, I think it is. You know how um, they say, and I don't know this, this is just like one of these things I've heard, that native Alaskan people have lots of different words for snow. Mm, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I think loneliness needs a lot of different words. Right. I think we're trying to put so many things into one bucket. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm sure, I'm sure there are different languages that have more of a range than, than we do. In this conversation, you've really leaned into two words, loneliness and solitude. But I think we need like another, at least another six words. For all of <laughs> yes. the radiations of that. Right. Or maybe yeah. you can paint six, you know, six yeah. visual representations of all of the nuances we need around this topic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and I, I was thinking and also during, I mean, during the pandemic, but also just during the experience of making this book, um, something I hadn't really thought about before, um, you know, during the pandemic, there was, you know, kind of such an excess of, of loneliness, so many people feeling isolated um, and, and lonely. And then there's also for many people an absence of solitude because schools were closed and, you know, kids were around or they were, you know, caretakers. Um, and something I, I realized that I hadn't actually thought of until, until that time was that yearning for solitude can be a, another kind of loneliness, which I never really thought of in that way because, um, you know, that, that deep longing for alone time can kind of reflect a disconnect from oneself. And, and Exactly. And we need a word for that. Yearning for solitude, yeah. I don't know. What is what would that be? And it does it is a feeling that makes you at least makes me feel lonely because if I am with a group of people but what I really need is solitude, right. I do feel I would describe that feeling as loneliness. Yeah, yeah. Lonely for oneself. Yeah, no, I know. That's I mean, I felt that a lot and, and I do feel that sometimes. I mean I I feel that periodically, even even now. Just because sometimes the busyness of, of life and, you know, I've got kids and taking care of them. And sometimes, you know, you just, you have to, you have to do all the things you have to do and there's less time to tend, tend to oneself and have that, have that alone time, have that walk. <laughs> with, with them, you know. 
it's one of the things that's so valuable for me right. about walking time because yeah. it is solitude. Yes. Uh, yeah. With a, a beginning, a middle, and an end almost. So mm. it kind of checks those boxes of solitude yeah. time that doesn't often go move to the next step of really feeling lonely and isolated. Um, we could do this all day long because now we've decided that we need uh, to build a new dictionary. <laughs> right. <laughs> so lots more work to be done. Um, but we're coming to the end of our time together. Can you share where people can, of course, find the book and also discover more about you and your work? Sure. Um, well, the lonely stories. I mean, it's, it is for sale everywhere. Wherever books are sold, you can, you know, you can go to. Your local indie bookstore if you have one and I hope you do um, and get it there or you know of course you can get it Barnes and Noble or Amazon or wherever you like um, and yes the lonely stories edited by Natalie Garrett and um, then I am on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter while it hangs in there um, yeah. at, at Natalie Eve Garrett or, you know, uh, my it's at Neve Garrett, um, just my first initial and then Eve Garrett, all one word on Instagram. Uh, I'm on and, Instagram the most of us all social. Uh, and you have a website. And I have a website. Natalie Eve Garrett, two yeah. R's, two T's. And we exactly. will include all of this in uh, the show notes for, but for people who are out and about walking and want to follow up with you, that's all the places to find you. Yep. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your time and this was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. I hope everyone in your family is feeling well and healthy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.